Welcome to Storytelling with Lindsay Bednar. Hi. 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 Good morning. At the time of this recording, I suppose it is morning, but uh, people probably listen at all times of the day. All times. It is morning. It feels like morning. Uh, did I tell Okay. It wasn't this morning, but yesterday morning, I have to tell you a funny story. Um, so I made Garrison French toast. Uh, it was just he and I at home. Gary was at the gym. Whitney had left for school and he had his first two pieces. And then he was like, I'll, I'm like, do you want some more? He's a big breakfast eater. He's like, I'll have two more. So I'm uh, putting the butter on his French toast. He's at the counter. He picks up like the dish brush and is like, what is this? I'm like, oh, that's a bottle brush. Um, you know, and he's like, oh, and I was like, well, honey, don't play with that. It's like, <laughs> got probably soap on it, whatever. And so as I'm talking to him and we're like referencing the dish brush, rather than take the syrup and put it on his French toast, I take the dish. <laughs> his French toast. And both he and I looked at each other, like with their mouths open, like, did that just happen? I was like, oh, buddy, I'm so sorry. I have another piece. He was like, it's okay. It's okay. But then we couldn't stop giggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It must be a Monday. And yeah, my brain was just in like a million different places. And that is definitely the first time I've ever done that. Hopefully the last, but yeah. Yeah. It's the multitasking when our brain is thinking of one thing and does a whole totally different, different thing. Dish soap. At least you caught it or you ate it. So there's a positive note. I got it like slow motion, and he and I both looked at each other. <laughs> oh my god! Blue liquids like oozing out. Like this isn't syrup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Those are cute because those are the stories that they'll never let you live down. When you know, next time you have French toast, he's like, "Now make sure you grab the syrup, mom." Sure. Um, I did that. Yeah. I, when I was ordering, I always order water with no ice and I was like reading the menu and I was like, ice, no water to this person and add or to the server and Adeline just busted up laughing. She's like, mom, why would you want ice with no water? What are you going to do with that? And so that happened like months ago and she continues to, you know, heckle me. Like, what are you going to get to drink mom? Just ice with no water. So that's in your future. Yeah. I mean, sorry. We got a lot going on in our brains. We have a lot going on and you have a lot going on. You've had a lot going on the past few weeks. And if you are an avid listener to this podcast, you'll be like, well, this isn't Lindsay's voice uh, because I am doing a podcast takeover. Sometimes you see those on Instagram, but Lindsay and I were having conversations about her past few weeks and the conversations were so great and um, inspiring and had depth and, and different points of view that I said, why don't we take this to your podcast so people can hear more than a two minute segment that has been released around the world. And we'll talk more about what that two minute segment is. So um, I am self-proclaimed Lindsay's favorite person. So if you're listening to this and be like, I'm Lindsay's favorite person, like her mom or something, um, it's self-proclaimed. She hasn't officially declared it. Um, Stephanie, and I've done a podcast with her and I love talking with Lindsay and I wanted to bring her voice to her, to her listeners about her past few weeks. So Lindsay, let's keep, get them out of suspense and what's been going on with you the past few weeks. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. So I'm going to back up a bit and kind of give some context as to where this started. So 
in 2020, when we were in the midst of the pandemic, um, school had to change, school closed down, we were all doing distance learning. Um, and the year that followed, kids were starting to be integrated back into school. And I think I'll speak from my perspective, but from everybody I talked to, more than ever before, parents were really starting to play, pay close attention to what was happening in their school districts. Uh, there were mask mandates, distance learning. Um, overall, school culture was shifting. And so there was just a lot more conversations. And a Facebook page was formed in our district that provided a space for parents to express concerns, ask questions, share information, uh, et cetera. So the, this page has thousands of participants and um, the concerns are vast. So the school culture has been, I would say, a slow burn of frustration for myself and for many over the past several years. Um, when the school year started this year, students in our elementary school were telling their parents that a child was using a bathroom that was not of the child's biological sex. And so that started um, really this larger conversation um, around school culture. Basically, uh, it was it was the catalyst to a much larger discussion once we found out that students were uh, able to use a bathroom of their choice, even if it didn't align with their biological sex. And so um, it, it, it started to involve a lot more parents into just discussing school culture. I can see where that would cause an alarm. Like even as an adult, if someone were to come into an adult bathroom that was of a different biological gender, um, uh, it would cause an awareness. So for a kid and a parent hearing this, that makes sense that you would have more heightened attention around that. So what was the outcome or has there been an outcome with the, the bathroom and the gender situation? Yeah, so... Kids and parents uh, had a lot of questions, understandably. Um, it led to us looking into the school policies, and we found that they had incorporated very discreetly this policy where students could use bathroom of their preferred gender. So it obviously opens the door for kids uh, using a bathroom that doesn't align with their biological sex, which... Um, yeah, is can be very surprising if you are a boy in a boy's bathroom and a girl comes in or vice versa. So um, the, the policy was there. We had never been informed of the policy. And from my understanding in our district, I believe there is something we have to check, some box we have to say, like we've reviewed the policies. Well, I don't know how many of you have ever looked at the policies in your district, but they are it's a big booklet. Okay. And for most people who haven't been very engaged in what's going on in the district, um, we usually don't interact with those. And so I, I'm not saying that they violated any policy by not alerting the public, but one would think and one would hope that best practices would know this is going to be something that 
parents are going to want to know about, that students are going to want to know about. And we weren't informed of it. And so um, that obviously led to uh, a lot of frustration. Um, and it, it led to a larger discussion of the district's focus on gender identity in general and, and beyond gender, um, of, of just identity in general, which uh, encompasses both race and gender. Now, I am fully one of those people that's guilty of not reading the handbook. I'm one of those people that will click on, you know, whatever I'm supposed to click on the preferred button. I don't even read the two two words there. So for a book that is really intimidating to read. However, right, we are accountable as parents to make sure that we're referencing that and being um, aware of any adjustments. So that that's a good conversation with the school board, too, of when there are adjustments, you know, what is the alert? Um, system that ex- goes out. Yeah. What is the expectation? And I, I mean, I, I think so many of us now are like, well, okay, we're definitely going to engage with this handbook going forward. And what kind of, uh, what kind of policy or agreement can we have in place that says, if there is a, a significant change, um, what kind of responsibility, responsibility does the school board have? to communicate that with parents and um, whether it's opening up for discussion or just a a communication. Okay. So I, uh, you know, you're coming from a lens of a a person that would be using their gender or a parent of child who's using their gender bathroom, their biological gender bathroom. And uh, maybe a majority of the people that are, are working with you or supporting or just talking to the school board might have that same situation. What would you say to the parents of the kids that are trying to use a different gender bathroom? Yeah, great they question. want a sense of belonging too. What what is the solution for them? Absolutely, and that's why we are wanting to have more dialogue about this because I have yet to encounter any parent, any educator that doesn't want every child to feel safe and to feel seen. And so, just as I want that second grader that um, where this what I'm referring to, um, just as I want them to feel safe and seen, I want everybody else to feel safe and seen as well. And so I don't believe it is appropriate to um, compromise people's comfort for the sake of someone else's. I think we need to work together to find a way so that everybody feels comfortable. Um, We're not there yet, but that is you know, why we're wanting to have these discussions. And, you know, in our schools, these are multi-stall bathrooms. So it's a communal space. Um, Could we put single-stall bathrooms in so that everybody feels safe and can go, you know, to just unisex bathrooms? Ideally, that would be great. But um, I shouldn't say ideally. That would solve that problem. A, it's extremely expensive. Um, which I don't know that we would have the budget for, we could get people on board for, um, with, but, uh, B, there are places within our district that have the floor to ceiling stalls. Um, and we've heard that they have been used for sexual activity for substance abuse, you know, not in elementary school, 
this is middle school, high school, but like if you're in a high school and you have those kinds of spaces, like, yeah, that's going to get abused. So trying to find an easy solution, um, well, it's not an easy solution, but, um, we're, we're starting the conversation for sure. Yeah. And it requires patience for, uh, for change to happen like this. So some change happens so fast right now and, and it needs to be slowed down. So that's where I see that compromise happening. So this is what ultimately led you to have that conversation with the school board. So you uh, approach the school board and you only have a two minute window to talk with them with no reciprocation back, um, just you speaking your voice. Um, in this, this video, this clip has gone worldwide. So it's showed up in the UK. It's on radio stations. It's been able to make an impact in what is your, what is your thought process on that impact and in, in your experience with the school board? Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> When I put the, I'll back up. Um, we had a, a lot of parents coming together and, and talking about these issues. And essentially it was myself and uh, another gentleman who said, you know, we, we'd be willing to, to speak about this. Um, I knew that it was a, a controversial topic. I knew that it was going to be triggering for people. Um, I felt that my background and experience, um, gave me a unique perspective in that, um, it was not coming from a disclusive, uh, mindset. Um, you know, I'm somebody who's always been a, a proponent for inclusivity. And I think my experience speaks to that. Why so, don't you know what your experience is? Yeah. What, what yeah. is it? I know, yeah. but. Right. Okay. So, um, I taught high school for 12 years. So it was grades nine through 12. Uh, my, um, predominantly I was in alternative programs. And so I would have students all the way up to 20 until the age of 21. Um, I was also the gay straight, straight Alliance advisor, which I'm very proud of. I think it's so important to offer that space for students. But here's where boundaries get blurred for me. So our GSA, our Gay Straight Alliance meetings happen outside of the classroom setting. So discussions for gender identity were voluntary and took place outside of academic courses. Kids that were curious had the opportunity to attend those, but kids who did not need those services or if they didn't feel if they just didn't feel comfortable discussing them didn't have to. So that has changed since I left education. What we're seeing now is an integration of gender identity into the classroom setting. I, I also want to share my experience of just what I saw in my last year teaching of 2020, because I think that's important too. Um, that is when the discussion of non-binary and additional letters, additional letters to that LGBTQ umbrella were being added. What I saw was that students were woefully confused. I did not see students coming to their own, finding their place with, with these additional discussions of gender identity. I saw confusion. That was my experience. And some may argue that being a teenager is a confusing time, which I don't disagree with, but all of these additional labels had students grappling to find what they most resonated with instead of just being who they are. It was 
counterproductive. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. It's like finding a major in college. Like there's so many options that you kind of get lost in. And you're like, until it takes you to like your thirties and be like, oh, this is who I was, right? I had too many options to choose from. I, I mean, I don't want to compare, you know, finding your identity to college majors, but it is, it is hard because you got to put yourself in each category. Like, is this me? Does it, do I fit this box? Do I fit this role? Well, and that's just it. my firm belief. And this has been created from watching society on a macro level, as well as watching students in the school setting, is that the more we label students and focus on their race, mm-hmm. their gender, their, the activity they belong to or anything else, the less they focus on their own individual character. And they start to adro- adopt these tribal mentalities, right? We see this with adults in the political spectrum, where they're no longer thinking for themselves, but they start to regurgitate the mentality of a larger group. And it pulls people away from just what makes them uniquely them, aside from these labels that were put upon us. Well, what if there were no labels then? Would they be like, I don't know where I stand? Is it the parent's responsibility? Uh, I mean, what's the alternative? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a great question as to um, there has to be a a, a line, in my opinion. Um, You know, if you think of it like a pendulum, okay, so if everything seems to sway back and forth and you go too far one way, it's extremely not inclusive and that is not where we want to be. You go so far the other way and it's this hyper-focus and obsession on these labels that really don't define who we are. They're such a small part of us. I mean, when I think of who I am at my core and I think of my individual characteristics, uh, my gender identity or all of those other things, my ethnicity, where I'm born, those are just pieces of who I am. And I want that for every single human because we're so much more than any one thing. And so what we've seen in the last several years has been this focus and integration of things that I feel that distract from really focusing on building our characters. And, And we've watched our district put such a focus on these issues well-intended, I'm sure. And again, I, I really believe that all educators want all students to feel seen and included. I have worked amongst some, some of the most amazing educators, and, and that is their goal. But focusing on these issues can be so disempowering because, again, kids are so much more than that. If we were working with students, ideally, to help them to become their best selves, we would be helping them to discover their own innate characteristics. Some are really empathetic. Some are cheerleaders. Some are leaders. And allowing students to discover what makes them uniquely them will just better allow them to carve out a life that honors their best attributes. When we can find out what makes us uniquely us, that's when we start to like go after careers or lifestyles that honor those things. I mean, you and I know 
we have both been in careers and transitioned into something that's more in alignment with us. What if we spent all of that energy on really focusing on a student's individual characteristics as opposed to being identified by these larger labels? Well, well, hold, well, hold on for a second. So let, 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 let me need to move on from this topic here too and, and go more into the meeting. But wouldn't, so instead of characteristics, isn't it like we need to figure out what these kids' values are? Like to say they're a cheerleader and a leader or an empathetic, how is that any different from saying they're white, they're uh, bisexual, or they're uh, Hispanic? I mean, a label is a label. So is it like that we're trying to figure out like, how is it that we try to, who we are? Is it, how do we align? Is it the values? Because I think it's, I guess I'm interpreting it, that would be more beneficial than, than a characteristic of how they act or how they look. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it, I think it's just how you show up in the world. So you could consider it value. I could consider it that like, uh, for myself, um, one of my characteristics is that I am, I, I love listening to people. That's one of my characteristics. And that's something that I um, didn't pay much attention attention to when I was younger because, oh, I love listening. Well, how is that? How am I going to make a career out of that? Well, it's essentially what I do every single day. I listen to people tell their stories, whether it's through a book or through a podcast. And so it, you can consider it like a value or a characteristic, but uh, if it's if we are tapping into what makes our students uniquely them, as opposed to which group are they a part of, we are setting them up for success in the future and figuring it out, figuring out how do we best honor them and how can they show up in the world. And you said something earlier too of like sacrificing somebody else's happiness or success in order for somebody else to succeed. That might have been our history. That certainly was part of our history. Is it our future too? Like, okay, here's how you identify. Does that mean that that we're going to press it upon somebody else that they got to lower their their characteristics so that you can shine? Yeah, and you know, if you think about when you go to therapy, okay, the first thing a therapist is typically going to do is talk about your childhood. You need to get context as to where you are today in this, you know. Okay. So context is absolutely essential in kids learning about the world, about themselves, absolutely. But like any good therapist, they're going to move you beyond the context of how you got here into, okay, so what now? Where are mm -hmm. we going? And to me, that's the shift that's missing. Mm -hmm. And what we need to do is, yes, uh, there. I mean, I, to um, to ignore any piece of like history or, or part of ourselves is absolutely not what I'm saying. It is how do we shift from learning the context of ourselves to then, okay, now what? Now that I have this context, now now what? And I, I think it's that next step that we haven't gotten to. And, and I derailed this conversation because I want to get back to the school board because um, I think I can wrap up what you just said too with the word of empowerment, right? How do we empower these people? Okay, we got the context. Now, how do we elevate you and catapult you into the, into the individual that you can be uh, and shine? 
Um, so empowerment, and that is what you intended to um, portray when you talk with the school board. And yeah. you did it in a way, and you had said before that you knew that you were talking about some triggering uh, perspectives. You know, however, I've heard a few people describe it now as, you know, matter of factly and uh, tactful and poised because you see so many other people stating these opinions with blame and finger pointing and shame. And there has to be a wrong group and a right group. And mm-hmm. you're saying, no, it's just like, how do we build these kids up? I see your kids. I see my kids. Let's let's empower them. And so let's go back to the school board conversation because I want to talk about like what's become since then as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, initially I went to the school board, uh, you know, I think I said before it was myself and another gentleman who went and our intention was yes, for the school board to hear us, but we also knew, um, just from talking with people who've served on the school board before and and kind of knowing how it goes, that that's not necessarily what causes change. What causes change is really reaching out to the parents and having parents um, vote in representatives that they feel are listening to all sides of the coin. And we felt that there was an imbalance. So our intention was we're, we're going to speak at the school board and we're going to um, get the video footage so that we can then share the video footage with our community um, in the district, predominantly on this Facebook page where there's a lot of um, parents that are just involved in discussion from, you know, and and from both sides of the coin. Um, Some that would agree and some that would not agree. Um, And so, so we did that and, and released it on there. And, you know, at the time I said, I'm not going to share this on my personal pages because um, I am, I mean, if I'm being transparent, there was definitely fear that people were going to uh, misjudge my character and misjudge my intentions. Well, I had a lot of great conversations with uh, people who know me and people who are really supportive and, um, and uh, they and said, that fear you know, is real. Like I just, that is real. And we'll talk about what speaking up looks like, but we're always nervous that people are going to misread and misjudge our comments when, when typically I would say a majority of the time they're underlined with kind intentions, right? You meant to put the syrup on, you had really good intentions, but sometimes it's just dawn. Um, but it it was, it was good intentions. Um, you reduce that fear and, and you were able to, to speak with them or to school board and it's become worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then we released it in that page. And a week later, um, I was with one of my good friends who happened to be, you know, be with me the night I spoke at the school board and she was there to support me. Um, we were together and she, her phone was starting to blow up. Um, and she got the notification that I had been picked up by the daily mail that this, my school board speech and, there was a whole article and let me just pause and say that, okay, well, I think they did a fairly good job of being a straightforward. Um, they used some really hyperbolic phrases that were super annoying. So, um, okay, so who's they, they is, they is the daily, daily mail. mail. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. 
Um, like culture barrier. Yeah. Saying that I slammed the school board in the, the title. Um, you know, I think if anybody listens to what I said there, that's, that's not what happened. I was very calm throughout the whole thing. Um, and then, and just speaking from what is going on and then inserting my opinion. Um, it also used the term bashes. Okay. So that's well, maybe like, they think bashes like embrace or a hug, you know, <laughs> you have different words for things, mate, friend, lift, elevator, bashing might've been like, oh, give me a big hug. That's what it so, was. I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, jump to conclusion. <laughs> totally was that. So, you know, there was an initial like, oh, dear Lord, no question. Um, but I, I got to sit in just like, I, I turned off notifications. I talked to some family members and friends, but most importantly, I just went inward. And what it dawned on me that I've already know to be true, but it's like something we have to remind ourselves all the time is um, when you know your intentions are pure, you have to let go of how other people are going to receive it. And I don't, um, if anybody were to uh, just read the headline or misconstrue and not know who I am and call me a um, you know, any kind of phobic person or a bigot or anything like that. Um, honestly, that wouldn't affect me at all because I know that that's not true. Really thing where we feel a little bit true. So it's like if someone were to call me uh, a bad mom or a bad wife, I would laugh it off because that's not, that's, I know that's not me. And so it dawned on me that like, if anybody were to try to tear down my character because of this, I could handle that because it's so not me that I'm okay with that. If they disagree with my opinion, let's have some discourse. That's totally fine. And I know I knew people would, but I completely let go of the fear of people uh, tearing down my character because it just, that doesn't align with me whatsoever. So tell me what the outcome has been since the school board meeting. What, what became of that? I mean, it's been wild. I, I con considering that I never anticipated to have this like super public and what has transpired since is pretty crazy. I've been contacted from people across the nation, thanking me, um, sharing stories with me as to what's happening, uh, in their districts, um, what's happened with their particular kiddos. Um, and it is an issue that's resonating with people, you know, so widely. And, um, I, I've, I've definitely had, uh, some people challenge my opinion, but I will say the, the few that have come forward to do it, and I'm not saying there's only a few that disagree with me, but there's, um, I'm sure there's many more than that, but the few that have come forward have been so respectful and it has been, um, a good back and forth. And I think it just speaks to a uh, mature communication. When you put something out there and you do it in a way that isn't, um, isn't hateful, your intention is good. You are going, it's going to be received better. I mean, I know it seems like captain obvious, but 
in this society, what we typically see is the yelling back and forth, the hateful words, the shaming, the anger. Um, and that has not been my experience at all. And so I'm, I'm pretty blown away and I'm, I'm super grateful. Like the, the amount of gratitude that I have received and been given throughout all this is, is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people in my perspective, people will lash out in a way of becoming defensive. Right. And again, your perspective, if you haven't heard the, the school board video, it, it is somewhere, Lindsay, maybe you can tell people where they can find it or you'll link it with this is yeah. that it does come from a place where I'm not going to put you on the defense. I want, and maybe that's why your response has not been more slamming you, but challenging you in a constructive way of like, here's my perspective. What are your thoughts on this? Opening up some blinders up a little bit. Uh, we, you're here human and you're from Minnesota. So people pleasing is in our blood. Um, we love to do it and we, we will avoid confrontation. We accept it, but we'll avoid it. Uh, we like to make everybody tip-toe. happy. What's that? Tiptoe. Tiptoe, tiptoe, but not in this situation, right? You had to put yeah. some courage in there and, and welcome those challenging conversations. So there's a lot of people in this world and it is voting day here as we're recording this. And uh, so that means going forward from here to the next 365 days, we're going to be bombarded with some more ads and voting and getting our voice out. So this is going to be even louder here within the next year. So what would you tell individuals that have that fear, um, have that fear of being misrepresented? read or misjudge when they're trying to speak their opinion in just a way of education, educating people, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I tell potential authors all the time is that if you have a nudge to write, that's for a reason, that's your intuition. And all you need to do is follow it. And I think anybody listening knows like our intuition is always spot on for what we need to do. And so for our own journey, if you are getting that nudge um, that you need to speak up on someone's behalf or on your behalf, whatever the case may be, um, that that's your intuition telling you that's a part of your journey that you're, you're supposed to follow. And um, yeah, it, it can be scary. Um, and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. But every time I've ever followed my intuition, it has led me exactly where I need to be. And I think all too often we ignore that out of fear. And as a parent of two young kids, uh, one of the best examples, way I can be an example for them is to show them how to use my voice and how important their own unique voice is too. And it's it's not about, um, you know, I hope whether people... Um, align with what I said or not, I hope that they can at least walk away being um, encouraged to share their voice in whatever way they want to do it too, because we all have unique perspectives. Nobody walks in the same shoes as somebody else. And so the only way we can come together and really um, bridge the gaps between us all is if we all share our perspective and our unique thoughts, because that's really how we're going to learn and how we're going to get anywhere. And be comfortable with some challenging perspectives. And that's, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of having an open mind um, as we grow in life and things start changing. Um, 
I did giggle and laugh a little bit when you said nudge and you're in, in um, inhabit your intuition because the other, and I, this is in no shape way of undermining what you just said, because I am going to use that as influence because there are several times where I'm like, oh, maybe I should speak up on this. Um, and it's more of a heavier issue and I don't. On a lighter issue though, I did find an Instagram reel yesterday that um, was really funny saying, you know, if anytime you say it's all coming back to me now, you can't help but sing Celine Dion. I was like, Oh, this is really funny. I had the nudge to like post it on my post it on my Instagram. I bet other people feel this way. You can't say like this. It's all coming back to me now without not being like, it's all coming back to me. I um, I didn't because it didn't really. It would just been my one single post, but because uh, I was really nervous of what people might think. But I was like, this is really funny. I might I might post it right now. But uh, yeah, follow let those me, notes. Yeah, and let me tell you, it is extremely liberating when you start to let go of how um, things are going to land with other people. If you stand steadfast in your truth, in your intentions, and you know it comes from a good place, um, it's it's so much easier to let go of 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 the response. Um, and, and I think if, if people just share their heart and their truth and do it in a way that is respectful and with grace. I mean, that's, that's all we can ask for. And then we, you know, and we can yeah. really start to understand one another. And it's, and it's slightly our responsibility. I mean, let's all empower each one of us with different yeah. views and perspectives. Lovely. Okay. I thought it would be necessary for us to have this conversation and have your voice be beyond those two minutes of the school board. So uh, if they haven't seen your video of the school board, are you connecting that with this podcast or how are people going to find that? Yeah. So um, I did link it in my um, bio on Instagram. Um, So you can find it there. Uh, It's Elle Bednar. We'll go find it there after listening to this podcast. She welcomes any supportive and challenging viewpoints. And oh, yes. I hope that your school board and other school boards are continuing to have a, a good, healthy discussion about what this looks like for the future of our kids and empowering them. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks thanks for speaking up for some kids and, and teachers that might have wanted and uh, some that didn't, but have a new new perspective of other individuals course. And um, yeah, thanks so much for having the conversation with me. Anyone listening in, uh, thank you for allowing me to speak to this um, issue on like this larger issue uh, in more than two minutes, because um, obviously this is just a a jumpstart to many conversations we all need to be having. Mm -hmm. I see it. I see it in your future. That's for sure. I'm getting there. I'm going to start with my Celine Dion post and then I'll get to your level. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. Hey, bye. Bye. Love you. Love you.